welcome to the Exchange Church Podcast. You can find us on Facebook as well as Twitter and Instagram at Exchange Houston. The following message is from our lead pastor, Jared Brooks. Well, good morning. There we go. I think sometimes y'all are so afraid I'm going to call you out, like I'm going to pick you. You didn't say good morning. Everybody gets really nervous. But good morning. Glad that you're here. Happy Easter to everyone. Now, if you haven't had an opportunity to do so, pull out your phone, and uh, we want to give you a couple opportunities. One, if you'll take your, go to your text messages, everybody go to your text messages, and enter the number 832 832- 772-7375. And if you're new here, maybe this is your first time, your second time, third time, whatever, you haven't done this before, you can text the word welcome, send that to us. And that's kind of like signing a card, uh, letting us know, uh, keep a record of your attendance and stuff. We'll, we'll give you a link to our website, things like that, just some information, but then we'll leave you alone. Now, if you would like to be uh, connected and know more information, some of the things that, that go on, sometimes we send out informational emails, you can text the word LOOP to that same number, and we'll get you taken care of, and that will get you connected. Now, after you send those texts, and I'm already getting them to coming in as I have the app on my phone, after you send that text, go to your Facebook page, because we love to Facebook and church. Now, some people in church, they don't want you Facebook, and we like it when you Facebook. Here's why. Because when you Facebook, every uh, Facebook check-in goes to something great. Now, we've done projects where every check-in buys a brick for an orphanage or a, a bottle of water, whatever. Right now, in April, we're in a new project, actually. It's just started. And this one helps provide vitamins for kids. Now, check this out. Every two Facebook check-ins provide a whole year of vitamins for one child. Isn't that incredible? So you checking in, so go to Exchange Church, just check in and say, man, you're just having a great time here. Um, Pastor Jared looks like he's lost weight. Whatever you want to say, I don't care. But it's check-in. It's not supposed to be a joke, but, but glad you guys are with me. But uh, all of our check-ins go to do something great, and I love that. I love that you just being here uh, helps us do missions. We love that about our church. Um, If you would, would you stand with me this morning? We're going to read out of the book of John chapter 1. So uh, if you have your Bibles, you can flip over there. If not, you can follow along on the Sky Bible. It says this, John chapter 1, verse 17, for the law was given... Through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ, okay? So we're going to read that one more time. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Father, I pray right now, today as we celebrate your your death and your resurrection, God, Lord, I pray that that you open our hearts so that we can grasp, maybe some for the very first time, what Easter really means, God, that it's not about an Easter egg hunt, it's not about a family dinner, God, but there's so much more to it, that life and life more abundantly was given to us through your death, burial, and resurrection, God. So I pray right now that that be revelation to us, God, that we'll grasp that and we live it out loud. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody shout out amen. 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 You may be seated. 
So the last few weeks, we've been talking about expectations, right? So, and it really started from uh, Jay Nelson. One week, he was talking on the microphone after, during worship, and he said some things about expectations. So I went and I wrote it down because that stirred something inside of me that we have to have expectations. Now, an expectation is a strong belief that something will happen or could be the case in the future, okay? So we're in the middle of a series. It's called Manifested Expectations because having an expectation is one thing, but having a manifested expectation is another, okay? So to manifest means to make a reality, okay? Make a reality. So we've been talking about expectations and what that word means, that you have to have an expectation if you want something to happen. And we made this statement over the last couple of weeks that the spirit of expectancy is the breeding ground for miracles, okay? And I believe that with my whole heart because when you expect something to happen, what it does is it triggers faith inside of you. And it's faith, the Bible says, that moves mountains, amen? You believe that, right? And, and, and there's, there's a woman with the issue of blood. Most of you have heard this story in the Bible. She's pressing through the crowd, and, and she touches Jesus. Jesus recognizes the power goes out of him, and he says, who touched me? And the disciples are like, everybody touched you. Look at this crowd. I mean, everybody's touching you. No, this one is different. Something, there was an expectation with this touch. And this lady, the Bible says she was healed immediately uh, from her issue with blood. And here's what Jesus says. He says, lady, your faith has healed you. She had an expectation that if I could just get to Jesus, then my whole life could change. Uh, what the doctors couldn't do, he could probably do. And there was this expectation. And that's what we want to talk about. If you want God to do Anything significant in your life, you have to expect it to happen. Amen. You have to write it down, put it in your Bible, put it in your pray over it, and you have to expect and believe that it's going to happen and allow faith to be stirred inside of you. Now, it's Easter Sunday, and uh, we all come to church with some expectations on Easter Sunday, right? You expect probably when you came to church, even if you don't go to church very often, you expected probably that we were going to sing a couple songs, right? You probably expected we were going to talk about Jesus, right? You might have even expected that we were going to talk about Jesus dying on the cross and three days later he raises from the ground. Oh, spoiler alert. I just ruined it for somebody. So, wow, you tough crowd, tough crowd. So... So we're going to talk about the fact that Jesus Christ came, he gave his life, and then he, he died, and three days later he was risen from the grave. That's what Easter is all about. That's what we're going to talk about this morning. But when I come to church, I have expectations as the pastor that not everybody that comes to church is having the best day ever. Okay? I'm not naive. I, I have expectations that maybe some people that come to church is having the worst week ever. I have expectations, and maybe some people are already ready to write this year off, that it's just 2017 could just disappear in their mind because it's not been a great year. Those are some expectations that I have. I have expectations that not everybody has figured out how to live the perfect life. Amen? Some of you may have. I don't know. And if you have, I would love to sit down with you after church and just figure out what you're doing because that's awesome. Um, but sometimes people come to church because everything in life is falling apart. You come to church and the D word is flying around your house a lot. You know what I'm saying? Uh, 
the D word, and you, you, you and the spouse, to throwing that word around like it's just candy. And, and so some people come to church because God is the last hope. He's the last resort. God, we're going to give you one shot to fix this. Some people avoid church for those very reasons. They avoid church when things aren't going good because the guilt is too much. They get around all the perfect people in the church, right? Because that's what the church is full of is all the perfect people. Come on, say amen. Come on, you know that we put on that great perfect face and perfect smile. We walk in. I mean, you're like screaming and yelling in the car. And you walk in, you're like, baby, just suck it up. Suck it up. And the first person walks up to you, you see smearing at the door, and she's like, good morning. And all of a sudden, your frown flips, and you're like, hey, girlfriend, it's so good to see you. And we're all hugging, and your husband's looking at you like, how do you do that? You just flip scripts fast. But that's, that's what happens. We come to church, and it's not always rosy. And, and for some people, that's why they avoid church. They know that they're going to come to church and the pastor's going to start preaching on some things. He's going to pick a sin out that week. He's going to preach on that sin like there's no tomorrow. He's going to make you feel this big. He's going to give an altar call. He's going to pack out the altars. He's going to post it on social media and brag about it, right? And you go home and you go, man, I just really don't feel changed. I don't feel changed. We repeat that cycle. I'm telling you this morning that... You're welcome here. Everyone is welcome in this place. And we never want to make anyone feel less than or, or not up to par because this church has got a lot of mistakes. Amen. This church, in fact, no perfect people allowed. Okay? That's our, that's our motto. We need to post it out on the road. And, and if you're perfect here this morning, you're welcome to stay and visit. But don't come back. Because uh, you'll just mess up our, we got a good thing going here. And uh, so all the perfect people just hang out, just don't say anything. Um, we do need Jesus here, and that's it, that's it. But the Bible tells us that Jesus loves sinners, amen? He was a friend of sinners. We talk about sin. Sin becomes a whirlwind. It can lead us into bad decisions, and, and there's repercussions of sin. We, we talk about those things. We talk about how we need to abstain from that and, and turn from that. We talk about how sin can become a heartache to us, and, and it can start to really pull us down, and we need freedom for sin, but there's not one person in this room that has got it all figured out and figured out the equation to stop sinning, and it's just done. We all struggle with this. We all struggle with things. I was thinking about sin this week and how we deal with it. Maybe it's anger or maybe it's a, an angry thought or unforgiveness or offenses, lust. But it's a reality and it happens. And we even have sin in this church. Isn't that crazy? That we have people who just aren't per Isn't that crazy? Did you know that I sinned this week? I didn't get a, one amen. I figured I'd get one smart aleck amen in there. No, no big amens in there. But, but you know, my sin is on the road usually. It's, on, it's these Houston drivers. Man, they pull sin out of me. And uh, like yesterday, yesterday, this is all, this, oh, this guy. I, I'm sitting there, and he's going so slow in my neighborhood. And I'm waiting on him, and I'm waiting on him. And he's going so slow, and I'm waiting on him. And then he turns. 
I waited like 45 seconds. I know that doesn't seem a lot, but we have life, people. 45 seconds was a long time. And, and I'm thinking, if you would have just turned on your blinker, I had my blinker on. I was going this way. I wasn't going to get in your way. You weren't going to get in my way. Turn on your blinker. He turns, and I'm like, really? That's what I'm talking about this morning. So sometimes that happens. John 1, 17, we just read it. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. This is telling us that there was a law given through Moses, and the purpose of this law was to let all of you know that you are a sinner, okay? You are in need of a Savior. That was the purpose of the law. It says it several times in the Bible. The whole purpose of the law was to show you that you're not good enough. Isn't that harsh? Isn't that tough? Those are tough words. The law proves that no one is perfect. Matthew chapter number 4, Jesus, he goes out and he's fasting for 40 days. Okay? Now what he's doing is he's preparing himself for public ministry. He's about to launch for the first time his public ministry. He's been waiting 30 years to launch this. He finishes fasting, and in Matthew chapter 5, he's got a crowd of people that he's teaching to. And the Bible says he's with his disciples. There's a crowd of people, and he's standing with the teachers of the law and the Pharisees. And in Matthew chapter 5, this is how Jesus starts his public ministry. Verse number 20 he looks at the crowd of people and he says, For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will not go to heaven. That's not the way I would have started my first ministry, my first sermon. I wouldn't, have, I wouldn't have attacked the crowd like that. What he's saying is he's telling the crowd of people, you see all these guys up here, these men who are teachers of the law. These are perfect guys in your eyes. I mean, these are the, the forefathers, the founding forefathers of our faith. Unless you are better than them, you won't go to hell. Unless your righteousness surpasses, you won't, you won't enter into heaven. He's saying they are not even good enough. Wow, that's a harsh statement. You've been waiting 30 years, Jesus, 30 years to, to go into public ministry, and this is how you're going to start it. Decades, decades in the church, this is exactly the problem, and this is what scares people about the church, is you don't feel good enough when you come into church. You don't feel righteous enough and holy enough. You don't feel like you belong. You don't feel like you're dressed right. You don't feel like you got all the right things, Right? I remember a church I was a youth pastor at for a while. My youth group would come in, and I, I saw them. This, I saw them about two weeks. I wasn't real sure what was happening. We were in this long youth room in the back of the church, and there's windows down the side. When I first got there, they had pews, and we packed it out, so we had to get rid of the pews. Thank God. They put in chairs. We packed that out, so we got rid of the chairs, and we just packed in there like sardines. Well, I could see this crowd of people, and they're all, like, messing with each other's heads. So I, I thought they were looking for lice one day. And I was like, as I had this one youth sponsor, she was kind of crazy like that. And she was, anyway, I just thought she was looking for lice. And they were out there. And so one day, I walked out, and I was like, somebody have lice? She's like, no, I'm having them take out their earrings. I was like, who? She's like, all the guys. And I was like, no. 
Don't take out their earrings. Don't have them take out their earrings. I was like, put your earrings back in. I'm telling them, put your earrings back in. Next week, wear bigger earrings. But that's how we feel sometimes. We come to church. I remember walking into that same church one time, and I had my cap on. It was a Saturday, and a board member came out of the office, and he yelled thunder down at me. You get that cap off of your head in the house of God, young man. So later, my pastor gently told me, he writes your checks, just do what he says. That was the response. (laughs) So, man, as a Christian, as a pastor's son, I grew up fearing church. You know, am I wearing? The first time I moved to uh, Roaring Springs where, where Pastor Kevin went to church, he walked in with shorts on a Sunday night. And I was like, oh, God, he is dead. He, ha, ha. You're about to burn in hell, buddy. You're going to burn in hell. I guess you haven't heard the message because you don't do that in church, right? And, and this is this kind of a persona that, that we've created with church, and it's not that way. It's not, it's not that way here at all. Uh, in fact, I haven't worn a button-up shirt that actually fits me in a long time. And so... <laughs> But the, the, the Bible tells us, I didn't need any amens there either. The Bible tells us that we have an enemy, okay? And his job is to do what? To kill, steal, and to destroy. That is your family. That is your children. That is your marriage. That is your life. That is your hope, okay? The enemy's job is to destroy your hope. Now, I want you to think about for just a moment some things that maybe the enemy uses to destroy you and, and destroy your salvation. What you feel like the enemy uses to, to pull you down. Some of the sins he uses as a trap. The Bible says in Galatians chapter 15, verse 19, or 5, verse 19, it says, The acts of the flesh are obvious. <laughs> I used to love this verse when I was a youth pastor. Sexual immorality, and you got to say it with like passion. Impurity, debauchery, and the kids are like, huh? idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Will not inherit the kingdom of God. And we preach that, and that's what happens, is Satan will use some of these things because we naturally are born into sin. So sin is something that we're drawn to naturally. It just kind of happens. And so Satan uses these things that the Bible says we're naturally drawn to, and he traps us into these things, making us believe a lie that we're now done, that we're done, that we're stuck in this sin. And it begins to infiltrate our family and every part of our being. But it's because you're living under law and you haven't fully grasped what Jesus did on the cross that we get stuck in these traps. And that's just the way it is. So what happens is we try to become better than the law. The law's there, and and we can't live up to the law, so we try to get better in the law, right? And and as as Christians, that's a lot of times what we do. We try to get better under the law, but that's never going to work because we're never going to satisfy the law. I'll give you an example. I'm a golfer. That's debatable. Uh... I would like to believe, I love the game of golf. Uh, I, I was there for a little while. I started feeling like I was pretty good. 
a couple weeks ago, I went out and I realized that I am actually worse probably than I've ever been in my life. And so I wouldn't necessarily call myself a golfer, but I like the game of golf. And many, many years ago, I had just started playing. I'd had my first knee surgery, and golf was kind of one of the only things I could really do at the time. And I, uh, we were doing a tour for a, a big rock concert that was coming through town. And the charter buses were there that night. And so I have a whole team of about 40 volunteers, and we're going to help them the next morning. So next morning, the lead singer for this rock band, he comes up to me, and he goes, you play golf? And I was like, uh... And he goes, man, I need somebody to take me to play golf. I need to go play. And I was like, okay, yeah, yeah, I'll play, I'll play. I take this guy out. He pulls out his clubs. And I was like, dude, I've seen this before. He had this giant Titleist bag and his name on it. And I'm like, just like the professional golfers. His name is on the bag. He starts pulling out his irons. I was like, dude, those are sweet. And I look at it. His name is in cursive on, on his irons. And I was like, how did you do that? And he goes, well, I play in a lot of tournaments and events and stuff, and I'm sponsored by Titleist. I was like, oh, Lord. <laughs> this is going to be the longest day of my life. So we get up there, and he just crushes the ball. And he's on the phone. He's talking to his agent. <laughs> he talked to his agent for like five holes. And he says, hang on just a second. Sets the phone down, crushes the ball, picks the phone up, and keeps talking. I'm like, oh, man, this guy's killing it. I get up there, the flag is that way, so I aim over there because I have a sweet boomerang shot that's going to land over there close to the flag. So wham, and I boomerang this shot and I land. And he told me, we played about six or seven holes, and he said, can I tell you something about your game? And I was like, sure, go right ahead. I'm ready for this one. <laughs> this is going to be awesome. Right here, get you right here. And he says, uh, you need lessons. <laughs> I said, no kidding. And he goes, no, no, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm, saying, I'm saying that you have some bad habits. He said, and what you've done is you come out here and play all the time, and you're adjusting your bad habits, and you're getting better at your bad shots. And you're making your bad shots better, but they're still bad shots. And he said, so if you want to really get better and become a great golfer, you need to learn the fundamentals, the basic fundamentals, and build your game off of that and not your bad habits. I will only become frustrated and I will never see growth in my game because I'm not free from the bad habits. It's the same way with sin when we're living under the law. We're never going to satisfy the recommendations and the requirements of the law. It's just not going to happen. We're never going to be good enough. We're never going to amount to anything. We're just going to keep messing up and keep stepping our toes over and over and over. And we're going to wonder how in the world are we ever going to make it to heaven? We're just going to have to hope that he comes the right. He has to come on a Sunday. You know, he's going to have to come on a Sunday. That's our only hope, right? Come on, tell me you have not thought those things. I've thought those things my whole life. Romans 3.20 says, Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in his sight by observing the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sin. Okay? So the law is not going to fix your sin. The law just tells you, you got it. Okay? The law was never put in place to absolve everyone from their sin. The law is just there to say, hey, you need a Savior. Amen? And the law is great at that. The law does a very good job 
at that. We come into church and we, we talk about sin and we talk about giving things to God. We come in and we, we write our sin down. Jose, could you help me out for a minute? We write our sin down. Pastor's preaching, he preaches on a fence. He's got this, we've got a fence and, and a fence is a sin. And so we come to the altar and we pin it to the altar and we're gonna leave it there. And so we give it to, to God and we, we pin it on the altar and then we walk away and everything's great. And then we get home and we go, you know what? I'm still struggling. This is not as easy as I thought. I thought everything was gonna be great now. So we come in the next week and, and the pastor's preaching again. This time he's preaching on um, sexual immorality. And he's got some great illustrations on sexual immorality. And he starts getting us to think about instances. Maybe this week when you were at work, you had a thought that popped in your head. And that thought became something. And all of a sudden, we've sinned in our mind. We've sinned in our head. And, and we feel guilty. We're like, that's why I didn't feel good from my fence last week is because I'm actually dealing with sexual immorality. I'm struggling with this. And so we come back and we, we leave it at the altar. We leave it, we pin it on the altar. And then the next week we come in and it's envy. And the next week we come in and it's rage. The next week we come in, the pastor preaching, he's talking about being selfish. And then he starts talking about discord in the church and people gossiping and backbiting each other. And so every week we come in and I'm telling you, this was me when I was, when I was in high school, when I was growing up, I would always feel like every week they had my number. You ever say that? Every week I wanted to go to the pastor and go, dude, you're reading my mail, right? Uh, you just, you understand what I'm going through. No, he's preaching on sin. He's preaching on the law. And we understand that the law is there to inform us we're in need of a savior. I was constantly being reminded that I'm not perfect. But here's what happened. Eventually I realized that I must not be cut out for church. I thought that maybe I had a call on my life. I thought that maybe God had a plan for me. But the more that I was around church and around church people, I realized I continue to struggle every week. I just had it in my mind that when I come to church and I come to the altar and I let it go, that it's done, it's gone. And I'll never have to deal with anything again. I'll never have to face anything again. And I realized quickly that maybe I wasn't cut out for church. I'm not good enough. And so I did like a lot of people do. And I decided, you know what? That's not for me. I'm just not supposed to be here. And I quit going to church. It wasn't worth it. I hated feeling like every week I was having to fix myself over and over and over. And you start to look back and this whole thing has become a trophy case of issues and problems. And the enemy, he reminds us over and over and over that we're not good enough. And, and we run and we, we run home and, and we, we say, God, okay, I've left it. I've left it at the altar, God. I'm done with it. It's over. And then the next week, it's just another issue. And it just keeps coming back over and over and over again. And we just can't seem to let it go. Galatians chapter 2, verse 21, it says this, I do not set aside the grace of God, 
For if righteousness, listen, if righteousness could be gained through the law, then Christ died for nothing. Do you understand what that means? If righteousness could be gained, Jesus came to do what the law could not do. That's what Easter's about. We, we come on, on Easter Sunday so many times, and we celebrate, we celebrate. Wow, three days later, Jesus rose from the grave. That's awesome. That's powerful. And it is. But the point of that was that you have life. It wasn't, the, the point wasn't, wow, what a miracle. Wow, how amazing, wow, this giant rock was tossed out of the way. The point is, Jesus came to do what the law could not do. And if your righteousness could be gained through the law, then he died for nothing. Yeah. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 8, starting with verse 8, it says this. For he said, sacrifices and offerings, burnt offerings and sin offerings, you do not desire, nor were you pleased with them. Though the law, everybody say the law, the law required them to be made. Then he said, here I am. I have come to do your will. He sets aside the first to establish the second. And by that will, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ. What? Once. Come on, once and for all. Listen to this. Day after day, priests stand and they perform religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices, which what? Can never take away sins. But when this priest, he's referring to Jesus Christ, when this priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God ever since that time and awaits for his enemies to be made a footstool. For by one sacrifice, everybody say one, one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. The Holy Spirit also testifies about this. First, he says that this covenant I will make with them after that time, says the Lord. I will put the law on their hearts and I will write them on their minds. Then he adds, their sins and lawless acts, I will remember no mas, no more, no more. He says in verse number 14, when you give your life to Christ, you into a brand new covenant relationship with God. And he says in verse 14, for by one sacrifice, he has made you perfect. He has made you perfect forever, those who are being made holy. Then he adds, their sins and lawless acts, I will remember no more. That's the power of the cross. That's the power of what Jesus did on the cross. Jesus died on the cross. That's amazing. He was, he was beaten. He was bruised. By his stripes were healed. And, and he goes to the cross and he dies. Three days later, he's risen from the grave. And that's powerful and that's amazing. But the point that you have to grasp is the power behind what he did on the cross was that he paid once and for all sins. Come on, there's got to be more than two people that get excited about that. Maybe all of you are perfect. You don't sin. I know, blah, 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 blah. You're in the right place. But let me tell you something. Pastor Jared standing up here. I thank God that he died once and for all my sins. Because I am not a perfect person. I make mistakes. And I thank God that he redeemed me, he bought me, and he already paid the price for everything. Yeah. Romans 6.14 says, 
For sin shall no longer be your master because you're not under the law. You're under grace. God did something. When he came onto the scene, he came to show you that you are good enough. Okay? Jesus, when he's standing there and he's preaching to the crowd and he makes this statement, he says, listen, unless your righteousness surpasses that of these guys, you won't enter the kingdom of heaven. What he was doing was he was setting up this moment. He was setting up this moment. He, he spent all this time reminding people, you're not good enough, 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 you're not good enough. The law says, you fail, you fail, you fail, you fail, you fail, you, Mr. Pharisee, you fail, you, Mr. Sadducee, you fail, you, teacher of the law, you fail. He spent all his time making sure everybody knew that except by the grace of Jesus Christ, except by his blood, you'll never be good enough. And then this Bible says that he came on the scene and one sacrifice. Priests have been trying to do it for years. Jesus makes the comment. He says, we never asked for blood sacrifice. I mean, priests have been just doing that for years and saving people and people getting saved and, and it's lasting a whole year. Jesus says, listen, I, I came once and for all of your sins. Romans 3.20 says, Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, through the law, we just become conscious of our sin. The purpose of the law of Moses was not to make God's people feel clean, but to convince them that they were dirty. To, uh, not to abolish sin, but to expose sin, to show sin. And the more that the law is preached, the more that it is empowered. And the law does a great job at that. Amen? Right? That's what the, we are so good at that. We're so good at preaching that and making, making the law powerful. But what we have to be even better at is making sure that you understand that one simple confession and giving your life to Jesus Christ takes you out from under the law and the law has no power over you. Come on, do you get that? Do you get that? Now, if you want to keep living under the law over and over and over, you can. But just know, you're going to always feel guilty every time you come to this place. Because as long as we talk about sin and, and anything, you're always going to feel that. But you have to make a commitment to Jesus Christ. Say, you know what? God, I recognize that you paid a price. And when you did, you took my sin and you washed it away. And it was gone. But Jesus Christ appeared to cleanse us from our sins. And he did that by a sacrifice. We were perfected through him, made holy in his precious blood. The name of Jesus means God saves. His son was sent by the Father to be the Savior of this world. In him, the sick are healed, the lost are found, the dead are risen. He is the only hope of mankind. And that's why we preach Jesus Christ. Let me tell you something. You go to any other church and they're not preaching Jesus Christ, get out of that church. Amen? Jesus Christ is the only answer. Let me tell you something. Jesus came to do what the law couldn't do. God, man messed up God's plan. Man came in and we just, we just messed things up. God said, you know what? I've got to come up with a flawless plan. I'm going to put together a flawless plan and you can't mess this plan up. I'm going to send my son. I'm going to send my perfect son. He chose to leave heaven. He chose to leave heaven and live on this earth as just a mortal. As a man, God in flesh, because they had to come up with a solution to our issues. And the solution was to give Jesus Christ the only son. And he paid a price. 
John 1, 17, for the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth, it came through Jesus Christ. Grace for all your mistakes, all your sins. He became the manifested expectation of the world. Right? Ben, if you could help me out. Jesus Christ came and became the manifested expectation. When I was thinking about this, this coming Easter, and, and Jay Nelson made a comment one Sunday about our expectations, and I was praying about where to go this Easter, and, and expectations was just in my spirit. And it, it dawned on me this. It dawned on me this, that Jesus Christ became reality Okay, to manifest means to make reality. He, became, he made reality the forgiveness of our sins. He made reality that our sins are no longer an issue. But there has to be a decision made. He says, no one comes to the Father except by me. This is Jesus talking. So now there's got a, a solution. The solution's already been given through Jesus Christ, but now there has to be a decision that we choose that, that we live that. And you know the sin that you start to deal with over and over after that, you know what that is? The sin of doubt. Doubting that who you are in Christ. Doubting that you've been made perfect in Jesus. Doubting that Jesus already paid a price for you. That's the issue we start to deal with. So this morning, I'm going to ask you to just close your eyes for a second all over this room. If you're here this morning, you say, you know what? That's me. I've never felt good enough. I've never felt holy enough. I've never felt like I was, I was ever going to be anybody in, in church. I never felt like God ever wanted me. God ever wanted to use me. And you say, man, you're, you're preaching to me this morning. And this morning, I want to make a decision, and I want to give my life to Christ. Because see, when you do that, when you give your life to Christ, what he does, the Bible says he takes and he wipes away every sin. He washes away all your sins. And if that's you and you say, you know what, that's me. I, I want to give my life to Christ. I want him to wipe my sins away. I want you to just slip your hand up and you can put it right back down. Come on, all over this room. There's a few hands going up. Okay, there's a few hands going up. You can put it right back down. Amen. You can put it right back down. Here's what's great. And I didn't talk about this this morning because I, I wanted my point to be Jesus' purpose. But when you start talking about redemption for sins and forgiveness, we've addressed this a lot this year in, in some of our different series. But the thing I want you to realize is salvation is a gift and it's free. But you have to receive it. You have to say, okay, this is what I want. I want this. So for everyone in this room, if you raise your hand, we're going to pray a prayer. And I just want you to repeat after me. And you say this out loud. I'm going to ask everybody in church to repeat this after me. And I want you to believe this. Mean it with your whole heart. Can we do that? Come on, pray this prayer. Father, I know that I'm a sinner. And I've made a lot of mistakes. And I'm not perfect. And I'm unworthy. But today, Jesus, I ask you to come into my life. I ask you. I ask you to be Lord of all. I ask you to show me the path that you have for me. God, I'm still going to make mistakes. But I understand today 
that you paid a price. And I will not take that for granted. And so I say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for giving me hope and for giving me life. And I accept your forgiveness. In your precious name I pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, if you prayed that prayer and you believe it, and you believe it, then what he's done is he's come in and he's paid a price for your sins. And the power that he did, the power of the work that he performed on the cross wasn't in vain because the law can't do it for you, but Jesus' blood can. Amen? Come on, give God a big hand clap praise this morning. Thank you for listening to the Exchange Church Podcast. Follow us on our social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search for the Exchange Church Houston. If you would like to give to the Exchange Church, you can go to our website at IamTheExchange.com and look for the red button in the top right corner labeled Give Online.